Righto, Nui, listen up. We just want to let everyone know the support for What's New in the Castle is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 7 million men worldwide, baby, who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for all you What's New in the Castle listeners. You're going to get 20% off plus free worldwide shipping, baby, with the discount code NEWY, N-E-W-Y, NEWY, that is NEWY, N-E-W-Y, one more time, N-E-W-Y, NEWY at manscaped.com. If my math's correct, 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, that's about 14 million balls. NEWY, N-E-W-Y, 20% off plus free shipping, go to manscaped.com, your balls will thank you. Yeah, so um, do you actually go for the Knights part? Oh, I do go for the Knights. <laughs> yeah, but um, Zono Dilbo, your brother, he's not. He likes footy, but he's not a massive supporter. He supports the Knights, but he doesn't. He's not into it like you know me. I'm not a hundred percent into it, but hey, you're in. If you're in Newcastle, I think you have to go for the Knights. That's like I think before you said uh, Maddie and Anthony Johns. It's not Andrew Johns, not Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, I'm, so, I'm a positive man, so I'm. Um, I'm ho- I'm hoping we can make the top eight, but uh, who knows? It's going to be a tough one. See that um that winger Dom Young, the uh, Englishman. He is. They offered him five hundred thousand a year for four years for a winger. Wow! And he's knocked it back. He's going the Roosters. Yeah, yeah, so, right. So how, how, who knows how the Roosters? Can, it's like because Mark Boris and stuff are on the panel at the Roosters. Yeah, Nick, you don't like Nick. He, Pol- he's he's really into him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Anyway, um, welcome back to What's New in the Castle, the self-proclaimed greatest listen in the Hunter and along the coast, the podcast that makes, well, it's usually your face is cringing, your ears hurt, but today <laughs> it's going to make your faces stall and your brains think many, many things. Joined today by good man, Joey Berriman. Joey, how are you, mate? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. No, absolutely. It's great to have you on the podcast. Like I said, I use, it's usually like a sports comedy is the genre of the podcast, but We've switched it up this week. We're switching up this week, mate. People out, all the listeners out there are going to realise how smart I actually am. <laughs> but I'm always in the mood to learn more, learn more things. So, so yeah, and we're all, actually we're recording in your um, little what do you call it, man, man cave down mate, the bottom. Th- this is the man cave. Yeah, this good is, is actually it? Shane Warne inspired. <laughs> is it really? This is actually Shane Warne inspired. So. I remember watching that thing on Sunrise and it was um, going own, through his house. Did you see that? Yeah, I think he's, he had his own whiskey yeah, he was yeah, making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, oh, mate, imagine the, um, imagine the yarns in that cave. Oh, mate. There's no stripper poles in here, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or is there? Nah. So introducing um, our guest. So Joey Berryman, he is a property developer and he's had extensive knowledge and career background in construction. And you also do business coaching, Joey. Yeah, that's it's according correct, to mate. Instagram anyway. <laughs> I think according to anyone's Instagram, it can be a bit blurred. Yeah, well, that's right. I can. Um, um, so, business coaching. What? 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 What is business coaching for someone like me who would never really associate well, to hire a business coach before? What? Mm. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, well, I guess you know, I actually fell into business coaching. To tell you the truth, yeah. and it wasn't something that I planned to do. I actually had a construction company very early, like at the age of twenty-one. 21? Um, yeah. Your own business? Yeah, own business. So I, I started a construction company here in Newcastle. And mate, to tell you the truth, I didn't have a fucking clue yeah. um, what I was doing. But I soon figured it out. And I think, you know, learning through mistakes and mm. wins, 
I was like, fuck, starting to discover it myself because you can always be told things. But, you know, you look at them people and you're like, hang on a minute, have they actually done it or what have yeah. they done? Yeah. So through that career, you know, like I think I was 21 and I turned over seven fingers. Um, so going back, so 21, mate, 21 years, I think I was still an apprentice. So you obviously left, you must have left school, what, Early age, 16, 17? No, 14. 14? Yeah, 14. I left school, packed it up. 14, you left school. What are you like? I'm trying to, 14? It's like year eight. No, it was the end of year. So I was always, I was a year younger. Oh, right. So So you started year 10. Started year 10, I left. Yeah. Far out. 14 years of age. Yeah. So you turned 15 that year. Yeah, yeah, 15 yeah, that still, year. Still, like, where, how'd that go about? Why did why would, was the choice to leave school? Or was it a choice or was it a forced option or? No, I think, mate, I, d- I just didn't like school, to tell you the truth. Okay, and, yeah, um, yeah. And I always, I guess, wanted to, yeah, start a career or start getting into life. And yeah. I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do, but um, yeah. I thought, you know, start as a carpenter. My, my dad was a builder. I was, so. I was about to ask why carpentry is there. Yeah, was it like a family backing or was Mate, it just... to tell you the honest truth, the old boy walked into the school and he um, he had the shits, walked into the principal's <laughs> office, walked out and said, righty what do you want to do? Yeah, and right. I said... Um, I want to be a carpenter. He said, no, you don't. I, said, well, <laughs> I could do. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. obviously, because he had the carpentry background, so he knows the all the heartaches and the um, hard work that actually goes into it to be successful chippy. Yeah. He obviously knew, and he probably didn't want to see you go through all the um, the ups and downs of the carpentry. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the construction industry. So you left that and you started your apprenticeship? Started the apprenticeship. Um, actually did that up at Foster Hunt Curry. Okay, yeah. Yep. And then I moved back to Newcastle probably around 17. Yep. Um, started working for a company here to finish off my apprenticeship. Um, Three, four years? Yes, yeah, th- uh, four years. Four, four years. years in carpentry. Yeah. yeah, nice. Yeah. So after you finish your apprenticeship, did you what? Did you go to tradesmen or did you start going and doing your own thing? Yeah, so I f- finished as a tradie and I think like at that age I was, you know, 19, 18, 19. So and, young. Um, so yeah, young. And I... I was like, fuck, what do you want to do next? You know, like I always wanted to make money. So I was like, always shiny object. I'd go here and, you know, everyone talks about the mine. So I was like, yeah, fuck, yeah. let's go, let's go to the mine. Oh, you so. did some mine work. Yeah, right. Over. That was over, over a different state. Over in WA. Okay. I, I flew over to WA, started mining there. Fucking hated it. Mm. It's like a bit of a boot camp. Good money, but. Good money, great money. And, you know, I was traveling to Bali and doing all the rest, having a good time. <laughs> How good's Bali? I was just over there recently, actually. Yeah. No, it's the same. So, Mate, that's so young. I remember well, I started my I finished year twelve, but then I started my apprenticeship. And I just I'm trying to remember back then, 2014. So I was obviously playing footy and that. And this is a sports based podcast. I'll be trying to relate a lot of things yeah, back yeah, to that. Yeah. I remember I never was never really a fan of doing the apprenticeship, and I was 18, 19. So I'm just trying to think of a 14 year old young Joey. Like how what are you 40 kilos or something back then? Mate, it would have been nothing on yeah, you. Yeah, there was nothing on you. I was surfing and. What else besides that? I was playing juniors actually with your brother at. at oh, South. The, yeah, the the favourite brother. The, 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 <laughs> he's the favourite son of the parents. He's over in the corner. He's um, gives a wave, Dilbert. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, so uh, yeah, he's, he's played in the same team. Uh, big big Les and my big old Les boy was, was coaching. coaching us. That's right. You ever yeah. get, get any funny stories of Les coaching or out my old Some boy? Funny stuff. mate. I used to get yelled at a lot, and so did Dylan. <laughs> I think Dylan used to get yelled at more than me, but yeah, but so did you. You had a run with us, didn't you? I think I play. I was in under nines and in under elevens. I come on and played, and um, I got absolutely belted. And I remember Josh Al- Twinkle Toes yeah, Allison. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he used to. 
I, I think he didn't. He wasn't a fan of me growing up. I don't know why. Just young, and he used to blow up. Dad going, "Stop bringing him out there. We're going to lose the game." And that, and I was just blowing up. And I, I mentioned it to um, Josh Allison at um, Knights training when I was like 18, 19. and yeah. he, he couldn't remember it. But it was like that was one thing in the back of my mind that uh, playing with the older boys when I was younger. It's probably made me a bit more confident yeah, out in the yeah, field, yeah. etc. Like you're that. a man child. How how old? Eight, ten years of age. You were like seven foot tall. <laughs> hey, I was. Pretty big boy. <laughs> I just, mate, I'm still growing anyway, still growing. But back to you, mate. So after that, then you come back and started, you got into the construction industry and started your own business. Was that, trying to think of the words, how was the nerves, et cetera, starting that? Or were you just in the mind frame of, mate, daunt- fuck it, I'm just going to do it? I think a bit of both. So it was very daunting, like obviously starting a construction company at that age. I, like My parents, I guess, didn't, do too much so they were involved in businesses early but um they lost a lot of money okay yeah and i think they're a bit of shy of i guess giving advice around mm. around that so i kind of just jumped in the deep end and, and went for it and through that time as i reflect back now i i didn't have a business coach so i'm never around I'm like what the fuck's a yeah. business coach i was I just a bit asked did you have a business coach or you no nah, i didn't, didn't I, had, I had one guy who was like um, probably about 37, 38 at the time. Okay, yeah. Um, he was really cool, had the cars, had the house. More of like, yeah, stuff. more of like a, not a role model, but like a mentor a in a way. A bit of a mentor, yeah. yeah. Okay. And yeah. gave me advice. He was very successful in business. You reckon, um, you reckon there's a difference between business coach and mentor? I think it goes hand in hand. It's very I think similar. If you're a business coach, up, um, I guess, putting across a service, you need to definitely have done it. It's kind of like an athlete going to be a coach. Okay, yeah. So are you going to listen to Andrew Johns when he jumps on the field and starts coaching in your footy? 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Are you going to listen to me if I go coaching footy? No. no, so no. Uh, yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, understanding it, actually going through the trenches and doing it. The way I, yeah, the way I look at it, business coach is the title, but as soon as someone can start calling you a mentor, I'd take that more as like absolute best compliment you can get. If someone can say, oh, that's my mentor, I'll look at that as like, that's a pretty great positive out there. Yeah, Didn't 100%. No, definitely. Yeah. It's like, if there's any young podcasters out there who wants, want me to be their mentor, <laughs> I don't agree. Jump on. So tell me a little about what this business coaching is about. So I think I read down on your Instagram, so you do like property development, so you do coaching about property development, businesses, construction, trade background. What What is business coaching for the people out there that want to know more about it? Yeah, yeah. So I guess like starting off at any business, everyone wants to succeed. And now in today's day and age is a lot of people want to get into property or, you know, they see the shows like The Block and so <laughs> forth and they want to they want to get amongst it yeah. and um, and they see the wealth that can be created there. Mm. I actually figured that out being a carpenter because I was like, well, fuck, you know, I can renovate properties and look how much money I'm making. I was actually doing it for people. Yes, yeah. And um, it took me a while to go, hang on a minute, I should be doing this for myself and I can do it yeah. because I can renovate the properties. I've got the trade background. Um, how do I do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, were you getting like a rewarding feeling when you're finishing these designs and builds for y- your clients out there? Were you seeing them happy? Was that making you happy? Or was oh, 100%. It, yeah. I think just anything once you create something. I think bringing like an old shitty home mm. and um, bringing it from it, A to B in correct, a certain yeah. amount of time. Yeah. yeah, is unreal. And to see that finished product is awesome. But I think, you know, getting back to your question, it's business coaching um, – for me is, um, I guess, you know, sharing the knowledge or sharing 
the the journey that I've done. Yeah, so, okay. So people don't don't stuff up, and if I can kind of give that knowledge across, you know, um, and help people with property, it's yeah, it's pretty. It's probably this question you probably don't think about it very often, or you or you might you might think about it, but people might not ask you why business coaching, why why you, why's why are you doing business coaching? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, mate, it's to help people to tell you the honest truth. And like I said before, like I, I fell into it. So through my journey and through the successes, I um, I had a lot of people reach out and they'd see me making money through property and, you know, they wanted to, to find out what it was about. And yeah, then yeah. I had a couple of people offer um, money for time. And I was like, no, nah, I don't, like, I don't. How, how was that experience? Like, Oh, you kind of like, mate, I... I, like yeah, you can. I kind of was like you know, no. Like yeah, I, don't, feel, I don't. I don't want to take your money. Did you feel to, like to give you advice? Bit, not cocky, but you kind of just like oh yeah, a little bit yeah. yeah and yeah. and you know, I don't. I tend to try not to um not to come across that way. So I um I, I just said no. I'll give you free advice. Started giving free advice, and they started succeeding. Yeah, they were right. killing it. They're like Joe, you want to do more? And then I was getting busy and um with the business, and um I was kind of like you know I, yeah, I don't. Yeah don't um yeah don't have time to do it and then the more people that kept asking me um the more it kept sparking this interest like fuck well i'm helping them um i'm telling them my mistakes and my successes what's helped me and what hasn't helped me well fuck it's pretty cool i'm getting paid for it well that's that's great yeah yeah definitely and something you can enjoy and do in your own time and actually turn it into an actual business or a career path. It's pretty inspiring for a lot of people out there. What keeps you motivated while you're doing it? Is it, it obviously uh, a big reason to be the success stories of your clients, but there's got to be other motivations behind there. Um, a big thing is, is like actually watching, like going back to success is actually watching clients actually do it and put it into action. Yeah. Okay. It's one thing to want something. Everyone wants this, the best car and the best yeah. house and live on the beach. It's another thing to actually do it. So it's that idea, original idea, then actually going out there and then putting pen to paper and starting. 100%. I think that was a big thing like me with the podcast. I always talked about, as you know, you've known me for years and years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always had that uh, interest in media, et cetera, like that. And wanting to start a podcast because I've got a loud mouth and I like to get, (laughs) you know, I like to have a bit of fun and love me sport. But then to actually go out there and do it, it's actually quite daunting and um, intimidating because – you're like, oh, you got this mad idea, but then you go out and do it. You're like, holy crap! Like, yeah, but then as soon right. as you start it, it's like, how how addicting is it? Like, I'm assuming would be very similar to your career path and that. Yeah, hundred percent. I think you know, starting off, like another big factor was oh, I didn't real I didn't have anyone. Yeah, and like I was saying before, if someone said, oh, have you heard of a business coach? Oh, what the fuck's a business coach? <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. And I learned the hard way, so I, you know, I did go really well, and then some things I could have went better at. Yeah, so right having someone to guide you through that journey, yeah, um, yeah, it's pretty cool, and and someone with experience in it, yeah, I feel is is key. Like there's so many people out there that are giving advice but haven't necessarily done it themselves. So. You see a lot of people in their early twenties, like twenty twenty one, and all over social media, like the ads are popping out. Yeah. Everywhere and they're trying to give like life advice and that. Yeah. Like you're only you're only not you're twenty nine, turning thirty, yeah. The, yeah. thirty this year. Yeah, don't say that. No, nah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but still, like, but like I said, you left school at fourteen, so you'd have a hell more life experience than these people who haven't even finished their uni degree, but dropping all these advice on Instagram and that. It's yeah. a bit um a bit frustrating. Move, I'll move on, but mate. So 
one of your businesses, um, co-owner with Premier Co. Yeah, Premier Co. So that's um, owned by uh, co-owner with Dylan Nielsen, my brother, so your older brother, brother. Yep. and um, and myself. So yeah, that that is the the business coaching um, company. And what's the purpose of it, mate? What's the, what? I know we've talked about business coaching just before, but like when you hear Premier Co, what is the purpose of Premier Co? Well, to fast track your success, really. You create a bit of better business. You create a better lifestyle. If you've got the business that can fund the asset, so everyone wants to get rich, right? Yeah, if yeah. If you've got the, the business that's running smoothly, making money, mm. and that can fund your asset, which is your property, then it's a win-win. Yeah, right. Huh? People get it really twisted in the way that if people start a business, they think that this business needs to be an empire and 100%. Like, it's great to create a business that's an empire. But yeah, yeah, definitely. If you can create a business that can sustain itself and sustain the loans, so the, to pay for the loans, yeah, to yeah, pay for the yeah. mortgages, then it's a win. And then at the end, on the long run, the properties start paying a wage for yourself. Yeah, correct. So yeah. that's, to me, and that's what I've done, um, that's what I found successful. Yeah, that's great. It's actually, um, it's actually quite inspiring. You hear the just like the whole business motto like that yeah. to hear that. So, who are you trying to target with Premium Co? So, well, you mentioned before you got construction industries, property development, business. Co- like, who are you trying to target there? Yeah. So, like our clients at the moment, we've got a, a lot of clients that are on for property advice. So, um, oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, as in, you know, what should they buy? How should they buy? Um, the property what renovation should they do to the property to get the biggest return yeah so we coach a lot of people like that and then we coach people in all businesses so you know we've coached people in buyers agencies we coach people in construction companies but the main kind of people that um, Dylan and myself relate to is construction companies because we've been there and done it ex-tradies of course yeah 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 yeah, you will I've done work with you boys as well and I know from first-hand experience, the way you talk and communicate with um, your own clients and that was a big eye-opener for me because the way you communicated and the professionalism between the two of you with the clients, I was very surprised because coming from my carpentry background and tradies I've dealt with, the way they speak to their clients was completely different to the way you guys did. And I feel like the way that you guys spoke to your clients, it was like a very... It was like a user mates with the clients. It was like a close relationship where you could be honest with each other and I feel like it's important to get that trust. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, at the end of the day with a lot of clients and what we preach is also creating value. Like if you look at any successful builder or plumber or whoever it might be, you look at how they hold themselves and how they speak to the client. They're giving value inside themselves, but they're giving value inside the business and the product. So why is... Why is premium co like business business coaching? Why is that important today compared to say like I know like our parents back then? You know we mentioned before like when you were young, even five ten years ago, like business coach. We didn't even know what a business coach was. Yeah. Like why is the business coach important now compared to say twenty thirty years ago? Mate, it's like having a footy coach. Mm. Like you just need someone that can help you through the times. Yeah. Make a plan, and play the play. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. If a lot, can, like, yeah, it's, that's relatable. Yeah, definitely. It, if you can get, if you can get someone, you know, like a coach that's giving you the advice, yeah, telling you what to do, they're looking out for you on the field. Yeah, definitely. It's the exact same in business. So, yeah. you know, them guys are alone. So you start a construction company, you start making money, and then you've got no guidance, no support. You go home to your missus, or you go home to your friends, or you're on the pierce, and mm. you know, no one can really relate. 
you've got a guy that you can call up anytime. Smart go, people make smart decisions. Yeah, yeah, hey, Joey, buddy, mate, I'm struggling with this client. You know, they're blowing up about that this wasn't included and I've mm. charged them for it, whatever it may be. Yeah. And then I've been there and done it and can give them an advice on it. I just think that it helps helps the whole process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, like I said, giving them the advice of something that you may have done incorrectly in the past so they don't have to go through that negative or uh, what do you call it, that negative moment dealing with the client. I yep. think that's very important. Right, so move, moving on, Joe. Um, I put your, a couple of your reels on our Instagram page earlier and I noticed a fair few of our listeners actually follow uh, Premier Co on the Instagram and yourself and my brother, who obviously in co-partnerships with you. Yeah. A um, couple of clients and a lot of other people, they're obviously interested. They're just got a, like, a few questions, et cetera, they want to ask you. So the first one, a lot generalising here, they want to start talking about the property market, especially in Newcastle and the Hunter at the moment. Obviously, it's this is your bread and butter property game. You've had numerous numerous properties in that you've purchased yourself. You've got this lovely home here. I won't say the suburb in case someone <laughs> comes and eggs your house or something like that. But um, I just want to talk about the housing market in Newcastle at the moment. So um, you got any generalisations at the moment we can talk about? Or Yeah, yeah, definitely. As in, like, what is the market doing? What like what is the market doing for someone like for someone like myself who I'm oh, unfortunately haven't got my first house yet, but I'm always putting money away yep. each week to do it. What is the market doing? You hear a lot with the interest rates rising and rising and rising, and a lot mm. of people are getting, I don't know, bombarded with bills, and there's people are getting scared to you know be able to afford these weekly, monthly payments. What what is the market doing in your own opinion? Explain explain it to our listeners that might not understand as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I think now's the time to buy. And the okay. reason why I say that now's the time to buy is that when everything's going great, right? So, for instance, I bought a um, subdivision site in Merriweather pre-COVID. Okay, yep. And I thought, oh, fuck, what have I done? <laughs> and um, and every time, you know, I'd, I'd reflect back onto it, I'd, yeah. I'd go, hang on, what's the market done over the history of time? So, if we go back to, you know, our parents' parents or our parents, what did they used to be able to buy property mm. for? So, let's say... You know, for instance, in Adamstown or Merriweather or Bar Beach, you know, you could have bought a property, you know, years ago for, say, 500000 That $500,000 yeah. property now is probably worth about two and a half mil. Yeah. So, or two mil or it could... And you know, similar wages, like, say, they might an $80,000 job, they might only be on 88000 now with the way they're, you know, the money's gone up. Yeah. So, from 500000 to 250% to two and a half mil, it's a massive difference. That's Joe. right, 100%. So, like, oh, you look back on them. So, my parents, they, you know, they, they owned a property in Katara South when I was a kid. Yep. Um, I think they bought that for, like, 140 grand or something. Yeah, ridiculous. Now, that same property to buy would be, you know, probably about 900000 So, wow. you yeah. look at the growth over that period of time, I'm 29. Um, and then, you know, I think in another 29 years, well, what's going to happen? So you look back onto things like the global financial crisis. Yeah. You look at COVID. Well, COVID, we hit a boom. So that was awesome. Um, and then I guess over the history, what's property done? It's it's kind of, yeah, it's dipped sometimes and gone back up, but it's pretty much stayed consistent. Yeah, consistently rising is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So I think now when interest rates climb up, what they do is they actually make people be fearful. Well, they, I, it makes me nervous as well because, like I said, I'm looking – would love to purchase my first home in the next six to 12 months. But yeah. obviously because you guys are the professionals who aren't asking, um, like I'd be nervous to 
for the repayments. I, I would be able to afford them, but it's just like, you know, the media puts that propaganda in your head and you yeah. get a little bit intimidated by it. So Yeah, so I talk about calculated risk, right? Yes. And what you're saying right now, I'd consider a calculated risk. Yep. Because the risk is, okay, I can't afford the mortgage repayments, right? Mm. But the calculation is that, well, in, say, a, a year to two years, the property market's going to boom again. Mm. And then what happens when it booms? Start making money, everything gets it off, interest rates drop. So you've got equity on the house. Yeah, so yeah. you've always got to make a risk, right? In business or anything in life, you know, you're playing footy, you've got to make the break to make the yeah, risk, whatever yeah. it may be. Um, you've always got to take a risk at something. It's whether or not you want to take action to do it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So if you were to take action to do it right now, what I can say is that, you know, you buy a property for 800000 Yes, interest rates are higher at the moment. Yes, correct. But, you know, what, what I've seen and what I believe is that, you know, by the end of this year, interest rates are going to lower. And then once they lower, the property prices are going to increase. And when uh, they increase, people are going to be capped out. When people are capped out of the market, then more people um, start, the, you know, the demand of property start coming in. Yeah. More people want to buy. Property prices then increase again. And you've missed out. Mm. You've missed the ship. So if you could go back and say to yourself, pre-COVID, if I could buy a property, you'd probably go try buy five. You don't know where you're getting the money you'd, from, yeah, but exactly. you'd, you'd yeah, go yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because you know that it's going to, yeah. increasing value yeah. so i guess you know the biggest thing right now is yes interest rates are higher yes they are increasing i believe that we'll have another two increases mm. um before it stops and i believe that it will hit a neutral are we, and, um, are we are we seeing an increase of people selling at the moment there are a lot of people out there because obviously we mentioned the name before mark boris mm. i saw a snippet of him saying the other day that like if you're too scared and worried about um these monthly repayments mm. go out and sell your house like it's not it's not the end of the world if you're going to sell your house are we seeing a lot of people doing that or are we seeing a lot of people just hold and hope for the best in i a think way? a lot of people are holding and hoping for the best like you know i don't know everyone's circumstances but um mate it's taking an effect on a lot of people 100 mm. it is because let's just say for the my listeners the average um this is me assuming even though i shouldn't yeah would you say the average wage for like your, I don't know, for fifteen hundred dollar week, maybe like eighty to one hundred and twenty thousand a year? People might be earning, yep. like on like that, mid, on average, yeah, low to mid range income, yeah. Yep. So, what would be your tips for someone like one of those clients, etc., like that, who are trying to look for their first deposit of a house? And this is you're not a financial advisor, so yeah, yeah, I want to stress that enough for the list. <laughs> don't come, don't come attacking don't come myself, Joey, or that in our inboxes yeah. because this is not financial advice. This is this is two rambunctious yahoos, just having a <laughs> ch- this couple of Novocastians having a chat. But I won't say the word advice. What would you recommend? <laughs> yeah, what would I recommend? So um, one saving a deposit. So you know, if you're looking at eight hundred thousand, you're a first home buyer at the moment. It's five percent deposit. Let's talk suburbs, so people get a good. So I got, I want eight hundred thousand is my limit. So, like you said, five percent of the eight hundred thousand, so forty thousand dollars. Yeah. So let's so have what, a look. What let's, suburb? What yeah, suburb? So like Katara, or um, you know, we can still purchase places in Adamstown for around that eight hundred to eight. And that's a great area, isn't it? Awesome area. So I would actually consider them like them areas pushing in more are actually classified as blue chip. Suburb. I see you mentioned blue chip suburb on your Instagram all the time. It's a, it's a great buzzword. What yeah. do, what is a blue chip suburb? Yeah. So a blue chip suburbs, I guess, defined by what area it's in. So we look at factors such as is it on the beach? Is it close to the water? How far is it from the water? Have you got walking trails, bush tracks? Have you got supermarkets and shopping centres? 
Do you have um, a would you have a top what's your top three, just off the top of your head, top three blue chip suburbs in the Newcastle region, Lake Macquarie, Newcastle region. Adamstown? Top, top three um, blue chip suburbs would be Merriweather. Oh, so Merriweather. So yeah, high end as well. Yeah, high yeah. end. So yeah. blue chip is high end. Okay. Yeah. So um, you're looking at properties that are close. To, so so in poker, the blue chip. Yeah. It's the best one you can get. Okay. So I was looking blue chip. Yeah, right. That makes perfect perfect example. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of betters out there. Listen, because <laughs> I was thinking more blue chip, more money for value. What would you call money for value? Like a like- money for value is like a different one because you need to. You, you're always trying to purchase. For me personally, I purchase properties that I can manufacture equity from. That's probably good. Yeah, great. Yeah. So in blue chip suburbs, you can buy in a blue chip suburb. You can buy a place for ten million. You can buy in a blue chip suburb and you can buy a place for a million. Mm. You can buy a place for 800,000. So it depends, you know, what you are purchasing and what you're going out to achieve. Personally, um, me, I would be going out to purchase a, um, a property for, you know, around that 800, 900,000. Mm. The areas that I'd be looking at inside Newcastle would be Adamstown, um, you know, Cahiba, Whitebridge. Um, what is it like? Inside that Adamstown Railway Gate for like a borderline. Or yeah, New, Lamp- New, New Lampton, Lampton on the flat. Yeah, New Lampton's another yeah. one. Charlestown? Um, Charlestown, yeah, I'd, I'd look into Charlestown, but I think it's kind not, of not pushing out. you got to look at you. So what type, of, I guess, of people are in that area. So if you look at Katara, Adamstown, um, Whitebridge, Cahiba, yeah. the people inside that area are young families. There's a lot of young kids. Oh, definitely. It's a big community. So you want to have a look at once you renovate that property and once you spend, let's say, 200,000, 300,000 on, on a renovation yeah. and you go to sell that property, right? If you want to sell it, um, then who's that going to target? Who's your target market? Mm, so it'd yeah. be a young family that, you know, um, uh, two professionals looking to get into the area that want to move into a nice home. Yeah. So you got to always have a look at them factors. Right. So I've got the five, I've got the 5%. We've got the 40, so we've got the $40,000 there. We want to purchase this uh, property in Cahaba, 800,000, right? Um, this is like I said. This is all off the top of the head. So yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. you've got to take it into account. Sometimes you might not get the loan because you might not earn that enough in that. Anyway, but that's a different story. I'm just saying generalize here. I've got the five percent. Got the forty thousand. I want to buy this property. I'm absolutely. I'm, I'm able to afford the repayments, Joey. But I want to put two, three hundred thousand dollars. I want to renovate this fucking. I want to renovate this thing, right? Yep. Like I want to. You know, I want to do all the. Bedrooms, you want to give it all the, the kitchen. And I want, mate. I want, <laughs> I want, I want your joint. Like, yeah. I want top of the line, right? Yeah. But I've just forked out the forty grand. That, that was hard for me to get. What do I? Like, how can I? Like, if do I? Have, is it time? Like, do I wait twelve months? How till I can start to afford to do renovations, etc., like that? Well, I think just chip away. So if you're a tradesman, obviously you've got handy skills, and you know yep. you're a plumber, you can start a bathroom renovator, builder, etc. Electrician, you can put in the lights, make it a bit more flash. So I think just start. Doing Start at something yeah. that's small and complete it because it's going to always add value to your property and then over natural growth, you will start to produce equity. Hey, so start so explain, now. explain the equity with houses because I've talked to people about this before and they weren't sure that you, obviously your house goes up, but borrowing money back from the bank to do renovations, you can do that with equity, correct? Yeah, correct. Yep. So, you, so um, let's say you purchase a property for, let's say, 800,000, 850,000 and you spend a couple of hundred thousand on it. Yeah. Let's say the property down the road, you know, the a real flash one that looks similar to yours, has had an awesome renovation and it's sold for say 1.6 or 1.7 or whatever it may be. Yeah. 
you start to renovate your property to be similar to that property. Once you actually get a comparison, mm. then you know when the banks come in, they come and value well, you've, the property. You've, you've done it. You have a great Instagram rule that's on the Premium Co. Instagram and your Instagram. The You've just got a purchase in Kahaba, correct? Mm. Yeah. Explain, or using that example you just said, that you in the real, I think you said, you, like, you purchased this property for... Yeah, so I purchased the property for eight hundred and fifty-five thousand. And what? How many bedroom? What? What's the? What, it's how three bed, the property down down the road. Um, just sold for one point eight million. And re- newly renovated, obviously. Newly renovated, very yeah. similar size property. One point eight. Yeah, one point eight. So very similar size property has four <laughs> <It> bedrooms. <laughs> so the things that I'd look at inside that property is. You know, I've got three bedrooms. How do I get a fourth bedroom? Yeah, okay. Um, yep. And, you know, it's it's all flash. It has all the bells and whistles, as you said before. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I look to try and compare my property to that. Yeah, so right. I do the fees I want it. How much is it going to cost me to renovate this property? It's going to cost me 300 grand. So I'm going to be all in for 1155. Yeah. Um, 1,155,000. Um, I then, you know, know that I can get anywhere between, you know, 1.7, 1.8. So, you know, there's 645 grand that I'm going to make in equity once the, once the house is valued is by the bank. Yeah. So what that means is doesn't mean that that 645 grand's your cash. No. You just pull out and yeah, go yeah. have a hell time. Yeah, go back, go, go to, to the footy with Dan Nielsen <laughs> and fucking rip in. It means, um, it means that you have the capacity, yeah. providing that your income supports it, you have the capacity to pull that money out and mm. the bank will lend you that money. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So what I would suggest to do is once you get that equity, if you can afford it, um, you would then take that money out and you would go buy another one. I'll go and buy. Yeah, I okay, go buy another yeah, property. Yep. So that's what I was going to be at flipping houses. So yeah. this is so exactly, method, exactly the, next point I'm going on. Yeah, yeah. go so on. So the yeah. method that I use is called Burr. So buy, renovate, refinance, rent, repeat. Burr, oh, Burr, like B R R. Yeah, uh, yeah. So like so when you're cold, sounds, you know when you're cold, mate. Sounds like me. Sounds like me being June, July, August, McDonald Jones Stadium, Bay and Iron. For pissing down rain and yeah so the method that i actually use um is called the burr method so it's buy renovate rent refinance yep so basically what that means is you know you you buy the property Mm. you renovate the property you then rent the property and then you refinance the property once you refinance the property you'll have equity inside that property let's say it's you know 300 grand we then take that, draw that $300,000 out as a loan from the bank yeah. to then purchase another property. It's like a game of Monopoly. So, well, so when you're saying you're a <laughs> game of Monopoly, exactly. <laughs> when you're getting this money in equity, right, how how long, what's the time frame to get, you know, say if you need 150000 200000 to start these renovations, how long do you have to be living in this property before, you know, depending on the, obviously depending on the suburb, the size of the house. It did. It comes down to, I guess, how long is it going to take you to complete that renovation? But if it was three months' time and you yeah. had the renovation done, there's no reason why you can't get a bank out um, to do an evaluation on the property. And, and the, then obviously yeah. that equity is then increased because you've done the reno. So when you get the bank out, is that that's a free valuation part of your loan? Like yeah, you don't have to, yeah, you don't have to pay that? No, you don't have to pay for it. Yeah, okay. And that's just organised with you and your bank, whoever you got the loan with, go ring them up. Like, hey, I just want a valuation on my property at the moment. Yeah, and then then if if you're picking, if you're actually going to get the valuation yourself, obviously it costs money, mm. and certain banks won't charge you because obviously they're getting the business from it. 
Mm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, so some bit, yeah, like you said, some banks won't charge you, because, like, especially if it's well, something if you get a loan through them. Yeah, most banks won't yeah. charge you, but there will be the odd bank that will charge you. We won't name to, any banks' names out there. That's right. <laughs> um, moving on, a few people interested in just because maybe it's more affordable for that eighty to one hundred twenty thousand dollar budget or yearly or per annum their income. Yeah. What's your thoughts on apartments? And we'll st- we'll talk about newly built plus your old brick and mortar twenty re- um twenty apartments, say in like a Meriwether or an Adamstown. Let's start with the old apartments. What's your thoughts on? Yeah, so old apartments. I guess it comes down to what the structure of the building's like. So you mentioned you know bricks and mortar. Then bricks so and that's mortar. something that I'd be looking at. But if I was to purchase a, an apartment block mm. and I, I guess, didn't have the income to support a higher loan, so I was trying to get something more cost-effective mm. um, and, and I wanted to make money through through real estate, I would actually look at smaller blocks. So I'd be looking at, um, say, for instance, in New Lambton, there's a lot of like four, um, four apartment blocks. So mm. they have four individual apartments in one block or they might have six. Mm. So that's something that I would look at. The reason being is you have more control and you have options of actually buying the other apartments down the track okay, and then owning yeah. the entire complex. It's eyes up footy. So, so, yeah. so for instance, with that, um, compared to like a big one, let's say at Honeysuckle or Newcastle Beach, what you don't have control of is the um, building, I guess, ageing. So, okay, yeah. so like um, if you get, say, a new apartment now, but in 10 years' time or 20 years' time, it starts to... Um, get a little bit run down, mm. you can't just go out and start renovating the hallway. You've got to go through <laughs> strata and so forth. Yeah. So that really affects your main apartment block because if the demographic changes, you don't have control over that. You have control over a new kitchen or a new bathroom inside your, your apartment, but you don't have control of what it looks like, the street presence, etc. That's all strata. So personally, I've stayed away from them. And the reason why is because when you've got your own property, your own block of land, your own piece of dirt, your individual lot, you've got control over everything. So you've got control of how it looks, um, how it presents, how you can manufacture equity with it, Mm. and you can actually make more money in the long term. So to answer that question, I would buy uh, an apartment. If I was to buy an apartment or or needed to to buy an an apartment for – I guess the budget that I had, then I would definitely look to try buy something that's like a a group of four apartments in one or five apartments in one because down the track, once I start to make a bit more money, um, I've got the opportunity for when one of them pops up, I buy it. Next one pops up, buy it. Next minute you own four apartments, you've got the whole block, then you can renovate it and do what you want with it. Yeah, and like I said, this is is what you would do. Like I said, purchasing an apartment... People want to purchase an apartment. Like, that's great. You know, it's still exciting in that for them as well. So you're not saying, oh, don't go out and don't do that. This no, is just, definitely this is not. Just like, you know what I mean? So, like, this is just my, I guess, what I would choose to do. Yes, correct. Um, but, mate, if you wanted to buy an apartment just to live in it, mm. well, then, great. Fantastic stepping stone. And if it's in a great area and you can, you know, do a kitchen and bathroom and then once you do save up a bit more money and then go to purchase a house, then you've got an amazing investment that you can rent out for a really good return. I feel a, a lot of people, especially in Sydney, because they talk about these new uh, apartments getting built in like the Honeysuckle, like East End around there or Wickham, et cetera. Mm. You, know, you can purchase like a two-bedroom apartment for, you know, say like 750000 And like they're getting like really excited about it. But will you, 
what's the return on your investment there? Like say you purchase one of them, those two bedroom apartments. You've because, just got to wait. You've just got to wait for natural growth. Because they're, so, so, they're, so, they're always getting built, right? They're always getting, all these high rise buildings are always getting built. So they're always going to be around that similar price. Mm. How does someone cash out on that? in the long run or is it it's pretty hard if you buy you that can, you can do it in the short term as well so like majority of people buy off the plan so um i seen a friend of mine purchase a property in at honeysuckle and they actually purchased it for 1.4 million okay that property's now completed a couple of years later and um you know they they sold it for 2.1 so mm, juicy like profit yeah. yeah massive profit in that short period i guess you know two years a pretty short period of time great return yeah so yeah you can have a look at opportunities like that i guess but for me personally i'd be looking at a house that i can buy more freedom to, yeah more freedom and, and more control freedom and control yeah mm. you did mention that earlier and i feel like that's not like i said not gr- advice but it's something to look at and consider definitely and yeah. especially with people around that 25 to mid 30s they might be single they might have um, a partner where they yeah. might have dual income which is, is dual income obviously is more money is that massive yeah massive. so obviously it's going to be harder when you're purchasing a property on a single wage but having a dual income is is a massive contributing factor because you've mm. got two wages now at 80 grand each yeah there's more borrowing capacity that the banks are going to lend you well so joey obviously this is mainly been a sporting podcast or a sports comedy i like to think it's comedy you've yeah. had you've had a couple of listens how do you think i'm a funny guy mate mate i think you're bloody hilarious <laughs> yeah. so like you said this is mostly our genre is i think it's 24 years of age to so probably late 30s yeah it's like 70 percent of our audience and dominantly male obviously who, who, who's the biggest supporter who, who's the the best team the most favorite team from all your listeners Oh, they'd be Knights fans because yeah. we're Knights bias, obviously, <laughs> clearly. But it's actually funny you mention that because we get – I've got a couple of listeners over in Perth yeah. and they're rugby league fans. Yeah. And I didn't know how they come across the podcast, but they did. And they're like some of our best – like two or three of my most consistent listeners and ones that we engage with most that live over in WA. Yeah. So that's like – it's pretty Mate, cool. I, I, this is a story for another time. But when I went over to WA to work in the mines, I rocked up at the mine camp and the bloke's like, who do you go for? And I said, oh, Newcastle Knights. He goes, who the fuck are they? <laughs> He's talking AFL. <laughs> He's talking AFL. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, definitely. Fuck, sorry, mate. Yeah. Um, so let's try and keep this next section sport-related. And spoke to you recently, and you've you've worked with some professional athletes um, of different codes, et cetera. Yeah. Is that correct? You have worked with professional yeah, athletes? Yeah, we've got a couple of um, NRL players and a couple of other athletes um, – that we work with, that we coach. They reached out? Yeah, yeah. They reached out to us. It's and pretty, that's, I'm fangirling. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> and um, a, lo- a lot of them guys, you know, like if you have a look at like Andrew Johns and Matthew Johns and all them old school Knights players and yeah. you look at the success that they've had, mate, they've actually killed it. And they've gone into commentary or, you know, their, their properties that they've um, bought... Set have, themselves have, up. Yeah, set themselves up for, for down the track because... What's retirement 35 is like a great career? Well, I was looking at stats before. So, believe it or not, the average NRL career, do you want to have a guess of how many games? Yeah, give me a run. Oh, no, I actually don't want to. I wouldn't have a clue. You wouldn't have a clue? So, the average NRL player plays their whole career, 44 games, which you put in this perspective, 
There's only 25 games per year, and that doesn't even include semifinals. So if you make the semifinals, grand final, you're playing 30 games a year. So 44 games, that's less than two seasons. That's the average career of an NRL player. Yeah. And it's, I think I, it, it came up um, the other day on Facebook or, or Instagram, one of the two. It was saying the um, the athletes or NRL players, their yearly um, wage yes, incre- went, went yeah. down. So do you, you, what, I think who was first, Caelan Ponger or? Yeah, so they've increased the salary cap, but according to their contract, their contracts that they've already signed for the next four or five years, they're actually going up because the, whatever the percentage of the salary cap that's increased, mm. their wage has gone up. And this is, I'm not going to name any players' names, but say if a player that was on $1 million a season, right, they're, some people's contracts have gone up to like 1.4, 1. 1.3 yeah, right. million because of the surplus yeah. of the salary cap. So let, let's like even have a look at that. Like it's massive money, like huge money. Like even, yeah. you know, there's players that are on, say, I don't know, like so, a couple hundred grand or 300 grand. What's the, what's, what are they? Yeah, doing? well, the, Joe, I wrote that down before the median, median or average uh, salary of an NRL player, right? And yeah. you got to imagine there's 17 teams this year and there's uh, 30 players in each squad. Yep. So the minimum salary you're looking at around 120,000, 130,000 wow. which compared to your 1.4 million's massive difference. Yeah. Like you yeah, you're, 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 still, you're, you're, playing, you're playing a sport that you love, I guess, so it's pretty good. Yeah, and but like still pretty decent money. Like yep. 110,000, you got to be I'd be happy with 120,000, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But the media, average the average salary or contract, Joey, 371000 Wow. 371000 So that is the average for an NRL player. It's pretty good compared to what, like yeah. you said, you mentioned before, the Johns boys and your Yoan Craigies, yeah, et cetera, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. They earned peanuts in the mid-90s. And then you look at the blokes before that behind them who, mm. who laid the platform. They were, you know, they were pushing wheelbarrows and mixing concrete. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Doing, bricks, doing other talk, stuff bricks and mortar. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, but 370000 Yeah. And... I don't know you, you mentioned we yeah you have worked with athletes mm. before. I feel like that's good signs that they're reaching out to people like yourself, Joey. Mate, it's it's awesome. I I guess you know with athletes is you get thrown in this deep end. So you leave school and you'd know a lot more about this than myself. <laughs> but you leave school, you you then jump into a career in footy. Um, you might play what reserves? Is that right? Uh, you, yeah, like so there's different options. There could be like you got your under 18s to under 20s to yep. reserve grade and then your first grade, obviously. Yep. So then you play in reserve, then you're going into first grade, then you play first grade and you might get advice off different people, but you're running the ball up, you're playing footy. Hmm. So that's what you know. Yeah, That's you. And, you know, what a lot of athletes are starting to do is, you know, they're going out, they're hitting the piss, they're not worrying about, you know, um, buying assets or setting themselves up for the future. Yeah. And what a couple of these guys have, have realised is that, hang on a minute, fuck, when my career's over, what what have I got to fall back onto? And it starts to, I guess, trigger a, a little bit of worry and, and curiosity. Yeah. And, um, and what I've seen is that a, a lot of athletes, I guess, need to consider themselves as the business. They are the business. So I do business coaching. They're the business. So they're their personal brand, I think is a good way to personal explain it. Personal brand, but you, your legs, your arms, like that that's the company. Yeah, definitely. So um, I guess that's how you've got to see it. And then, okay, I'm the business. I'm making the, that money, that X amount of dollars per year. Mm. What am I going to do with that money to set myself up before I'm 32, 33, 34, 35, mm. before I retire that I can fall back onto? Definitely. And a lot of players, I guess um, – don't consider that there's a couple of um or there's a fair few players that 
definitely do. And what they're doing is setting themselves up for a, for a future after their career. Mm. So these players that have came to us um, that are playing amazing footy, um, they're getting advice on how to actually buy, renovate, and um, and and do the whole property journey themselves. Where what they've kind of educated me on is that through their careers, they've had all these people, you know, that come to them, big companies, and what they want is promotion. Yeah, okay. So yeah. they want they want something out of them, and they're like, oh, give me your money, and we can go invest in this for you, or you know, yeah. give me that, and we'll go do that, and. You know, these guys are going, well, fuck, I actually want to learn it myself. So I'm educated on it. And when I come out of football, I can just go buy a house. I can go um, renovate one and mm. I can make the equity out of it and the cash out of it and, you know, start making some some dough. There's, so, a, there's, a, good, there's a good yarn, actually. Uh, Joel Kane, who he works with, he works commentary, NRL and Fox Sports and that now. Yeah. There's a great yarn I'll have to show you another day. He is great example of him investing money off one of these big companies that reached out to their NRL club and it's all turned to shit where businesses, all the people have declared bankrupt and yeah. they've lost out on their deposit, which for someone on their minimum wage back in the day was only 30, 40,000. So you could imagine the massive difference it was. Yeah. Now. yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the biggest thing with, with our guys that um, we have on for coaching is that they're learning how to do it themselves. Mm. So I'm teaching them, you know, what to look for, what to buy, yeah. why you want to buy that property, why you want to renovate it this way, how you make money this way. So they're setting themselves up for the future. So instead of giving Joe Bloggs up the road, buddy, 150, 200 grand to go take a gamble or go put it inside some other development, yeah. you know, they're, they're paying for coaching for themselves um, to, to learn it so they can do it themselves. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> so you mentioned the word personal brand before. So how can these players... I'm going to say cash out. Yeah. Cash out. How can they cash out on their own personal brand, Joey? So players just seem to start seeing themselves as as the business. They are the business. The business then supports the asset and allows you to purchase the asset. Once you purchase the asset, the asset grows over time. Then once you finish your career in footy, that asset is now paying you back a wage. Exactly. And they've they've been lucky enough, not lucky enough because they've worked hard to earn that money over their career, mm. but they've, you know, like I said, cashed out during their career, which the asset has grown over time and it set themselves up for future, future success. If they, like you said, retired at 35, mm. they've got these properties in all these areas. How good's that? 100%. And then the properties start paying you back the wage. Yeah, well, there so, you go. Yeah. Even more cash in their pocket. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually, that's very interesting you bring that up. And obviously, I'm not a professional athlete in the slightest. Just have a look, have a, have a look at me. But it's something that... Mate, you're a pretty good front rower. <laughs> Mate, I can, you know, tuck the ball under my arms and take it up. <laughs> truck, truck a bit of nut over the time. I feel like players would be would benefit from, I don't know, learning from people like yourself and investing mm. their money. And I think it's a great idea. So, Joey, I want to... Let's play a bit of scenario. Like you got yeah. played dress ups, mate. You like to dress up, have a bit mate, of fun. Not your type of dress ups. I think I get a bit weird. <laughs> I don't want to come to one of your parties. No, mate. no, no, no. I'm a boring. I'm a boring man these days. Yeah. These days. Um, all right. I'm a professional athlete. Yeah. Look at me. I right, let's I play rugby league. I'm a front rower. Um, I live in Sydney, mm. for an example. So I don't care where I want to purchase my properties. I'm earning. Say three fifty to four hundred thousand dollars per annum. Yep. That's my contract. Yeah. Um, what's your step by step, or what's your recommendations for myself? So, if you were to come to me and I was coaching you, yeah, in, in the way of doing this, then I would then give you the understanding about 
um, where to buy and why, you know, you would look to buy inside these areas. So we'd look at, you know, historical price trends, socioeconomical factors, um, the demographic, et cetera. So I would educate them on that step. Then once they, um, you know, we find a property, we identify a property, say for 900 grand or a million, whatever it may be, I then show them the step of what they can do to manufacture the equity to produce the, the, the money at the end. So um, I'd show them the renovation tips, yep. um, what you would do to renovate the property. Okay, yeah. Um, where's the best return on in doing X, Y, and Z. Um, and then the steps after that, what they do when it comes to if they either want to offload that property or if they want to hold that property, um, getting the tenants in, what's the best way to, to stage that property to, to get the tenants in or who to get in, in touch to about advice around that. And then um, where we go with reaching out to the banks again. So going back to the bank, asking the bank to get a bank evaluation, getting the banks out, getting the price evaluated, pulling the equity, and then going again. And then after a period of time, these guys are going to figure out, oh, fuck, this is how you do it. Mm. So they're fully educated on it. They start doing it themselves. And once their career's over, mate, they're set up. They're ready to roll. And is your expectation just, just the Newcastle and Hunter area? Say, like, I'm... Playing up in oh, we've got a North Queen. Yeah, we've got a um, client in Queensland as, yep. as well. So we've got a couple of clients up there that aren't athletes, and we've got a client up there that is an athlete. And they're wanting to purchase in Newcastle, or just in general, like just anywhere in general. So a couple of them guys are purchasing Queensland, which are great investments. Queensland's going off um, the same as Newcastle, but mate, it just depends on you know what is going to make the biggest return at the end of the day. Yeah, okay. So it doesn't have to be specifically Newcastle. Um, mm. It can be anywhere inside Australia, but what's going to make the biggest return and what's going to set them up for the future. And you've got contacts in other cities and areas where you can contact and like, look, I've got these people who live up in your area. Can you give me a recommendation on a suburb or property to purchase? Yeah, 100%. So them, them people that I'd reach out to are called buyer's agents. Okay, yeah. So I'd work with buyer's agents in the areas to actually help these guys secure the property. Um, but it would be the advice on the way through to, to get them through that stage. How important is the relationship with these buyers, agents, et cetera, or just some real estates in general? I feel like a lot of my listeners, yeah. <laughs> coming off a few of the questions that come in, they have a very negative uh, stigma on real estate real estate agents. I don't know why it's mm. been put in, but maybe it's maybe, been maybe through it's their parents. Their, their suits that they're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know, I just... I vibe that a lot of these a lot of the listeners in general yeah. or even mates they got a real bad um, thing with real estate agents like they're not trustworthy um, what's what's your thoughts on the relationship oh, it's each individual person I've got a lot of friends that are real estate agents that are absolutely amazing yeah. um, really good guys and yeah I can to kind of answer that question I can see where they get that um that picture from because yeah. there is a couple of um, yeah weird characters in in that industry but <laughs> Um, but I, I think it comes down to the, um, the individual themselves. Mm. Everyone's an individual, so it depends on the person. Mate, personally, that's why buyer's agencies came about. And the reason why they came about is because they actually help um, the client negotiate on the property. It's like going to court without a, um, without a judge, mm. uh, without a judge, without a, a lawyer. Uh, a lawyer well, yeah. Then obviously it's going to be better if you have a lawyer than to defend you. So it's the exact same thing. They negotiate. Through the through the um through the purchase, yeah. So just summarize all that. We're back on back to the professional athlete. I'm a professional athlete. This is what I want to do. How can we reach out to you, Joey? Like, how can the professional athlete reach out to you? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess the best steps jump on the website and then 
go through them details or yeah. just flick me a message on Instagram. You're um, always checking the messages. Yeah, always checking the messages. Flick me a message and, yeah, I'll get in touch straight away. Yeah, but it'll actually be quite interesting to see those athletes and build their personal brand over the next yeah. season. I'm, I'm excited for the future. Yeah, they're earning good money, but I'm a massive fan of rugby league. But I I'd like the, to see su- successful stories off and on the field, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is with the athletes is actually doing it themselves. There's yeah. so many um, people that help them through their career, yeah. like car sponsors and everything. You know, <laughs> I had a mate that was a professional footballer and – um, he finished off his career and he rung me up one day and said, hey, man, can you help me out with this Red Joe stuff? I just don't know how to do it. <sighs> no so, idea. like, actually learning them steps themselves yeah. is is key, yeah. I think that's what you, you've hit the nail on the head here, actually drilling this into the player's head, not just you telling them what to do. Them absorbing the information is... Well, I think we're not, want not other people telling them what to do or not other businesses yeah. doing it for them. Them actually learning it and doing the process themselves is key. I think the best word to describe all that is just genuine, mate. Like, yeah, you know, 100%. Like, yeah, just being genuine. Right, so the, the basic punter out there. So uh, a lot of our listeners and a lot of my mates, yep. tradesmen, plumbers, builders, lecos, you know, the lot. Have you got any clients out there, you know, like, very basic punter out there, very basic tradesmen. Have they yeah. reached out to you and is there any minor success stories recently? Yeah, so majority of our clients are tradesmen. Um, and, you know, there, there's two um, in the past couple of months that just did um, 80K months. And Really? Yeah. yeah and, the, and since coming on board with us. And, and the biggest thing is, I guess, um, systems and procedures, a massive one. Mm. So giving them the time to step back from the business and start to, I guess, have a system in place that would always run smoothly. And then another one's um, how we speak to clients. So um, the value that we show inside our product, the value that we show inside ourselves, how we present, how we turn up, um, X, Y, and Z. Say, for instance, you know, you're laying a deck, you know, explaining the Merbau timber or explaining mm. um, the spotted gum timber. You know, what, what is it adding value? Like, that, that's a really big thing. But these guys that have, you know, had this success so far with us and have made it is – you know, they've got, a, I guess, a willingness to learn. Mm. And that's a big thing. They take on advice. And that's one thing that I've definitely done throughout my career. I've took on advice and then implemented it. Because you get a lot of people out there, sorry to interrupt, but mm. you get a lot of people out there, Joey, that they take advice as criticism, yeah, you could say. Right. But it's good to see that these people, I know these tradies, males dominated as well, just to swallow their pride and actually go, no, I actually want to learn. Yeah. So the biggest thing with us is when we um, jump on a coaching session with our guys is that their willingness to learn yep. and not, and I guess um, criticism, but not taking it, uh, sorry, yeah, like structive criticism, mm. not taking it on board in a negative way. And then uh, through our scenarios, they, they pick what they want out of that yep. and then go implement it into their businesses. Yeah, okay. Once they implement it in the businesses and they start seeing a pattern of success, then, you know, it's just a repeat method. So. Yeah, definitely. Well, Joey, like, I honestly really appreciate your time, mate. Like I said, plenty of people out there would pay you good money to have a chat like I just did, so very grateful for that. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to like move you on. Yeah. Just, you get, you've probably got plenty of stuff to do, mate. I'm sure all these listeners are absolutely stoked with the information that they've got from yourself and maybe they've learned something from me as well. But um, how can how can all my listeners reach out to you, mate? Like what's your Instagrams, your contact details? How can they reach out to you? Yeah, so just um, flick me a message on, on my Instagram, which is Joey Berryman or reach out to Premier & Co. 
and um, maybe we'll get we'll get in touch straight away. There's just one thing that I'd like to ask before this podcast ends. Yeah, Dan. what's that, mate? Can you know in this little deck here? Can you hit what's new? What's new? What's new in the <laughs> castle, <laughs> mate? I would, you know, I would love to do that. But my co-host, he's a grumpy man, and he doesn't like having fun. He just sits there and he's pretty uh, boring. Old Campbell, no, Campbell would have he like he was very excited. He can't wait to listen to this one as well. Yeah, actually, awesome. Yeah. Um. Oh, just quick one before we finish on, mate. Mm. It, it's not all just work, work, work. You love to have your fun outside. I don't know, you're a motorbiker, you're a jet skier, you fish, you do all these bloody extreme sports. That's important to in your own lifestyle, mate. I, mate, I think that sets your, your lifestyle up and your business or your career or whatever you may be in. Um, yeah, hobbies. Hobbies are a big thing for me um, yeah. in life. So, yeah, I'll, I'll wakeboard, I surf, I ride dirt bikes, um, I race dirt bikes. And, um, yeah, ride jet skis, love cars, love fast yeah, cars, yeah, it's a okay. nice thing. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think that's a that's a massive key to success is yeah. actually having that hobby that takes you away from the stress. So normal people, they'll get stressed and they'll go out on the piss and next minute they're two weeks behind because, mm. you know, they're coming down off a hangover or whatever it may One be. One step forward, two steps back, mate. Yeah. That's right. So, um, so, you know, having these hobbies that can release stress, mate, I, personally I think it's key. Yeah, so right over, we got. What was, what was your three mains when you got your jet ski? So, moat dirt, wait, well, wakeboarding. Wake, wakeboarding. Yep, jets. jet skiing, um, surfing, and motorbiking. motocross and, and road bike racing. I, I really love road bikes. So right, I'll let's, get down to Eastern Creek every now and then for a let, run. I'm going to generalize these. You got um, like dirt bikes, like um, your surf sports or water sports, yep. surfing. Eliminate one of them. Eliminate one of them. Oh, actually, eliminate two of them. You're only allowed to do one for the rest of your life. And yeah. I know you love all three is, of them. Is that just out of out of the water sports? It's, it's like, they like water. So I'm going to do general, like in water sports. You can get on the jet ski. You can do weightboarding. You can do yep. all that. Yeah. Dirt bikes. You can get on dirt bikes. You can get in cars. Like all like extreme racing. We call it ex- extreme racing. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> or yeah. like your surfing, etc. Like that beach beach sports water sports as well but you know I mean surfing in general yeah eliminate you have to eliminate two what would you if you only had to choose one of them what would it be mate it would be definitely wakeboarding I'm pretty obsessive at the moment I've yeah, got right. a um as in I wouldn't eliminate it I'd eliminate the rest I'd yeah you'd eliminate yeah you keep wait yeah the reason why is I've, I've got an awesome boat wakeboarding boat and um me and Dylan your brother actually get out on that thing quite frequently and mate it's the best family sport everyone's laughing when you're on a wakeboard boat and I'm sure that the viewers can can understand this one if they've been in um, been on a on a boat before. Is like on a wake boat. Is that everyone's laughing at the end of yeah. the day? Everyone's stoked, high fiving. So I, I see like, the the videos you post are pretty good, and obviously you're the naturals at it. Yeah, I, I think it'll be great. Con- You've asked me plenty of times before, but I think it's Mate, time. I, like, I, get me out there, and we'll start filming. Some I just content. actually want to um, set a new Guinness Book World Records challenge and have seven seven foot eight <laughs> buddy Dan Nielsen <laughs> doing a tail grab. The, heavy, the heaviest person, the best barefoot skiing. Is it barefoot skiing? Is, is that what it's called? Or your bare feet on the weight wakeboarding? Yeah, so barefoot skiing. Yeah, you're yeah. on the. You, can you do that? Here. I can't do that. No, nah. not at all. I can um, belly drag or lay on the belly, <laughs> take <it> like that. <laughs> no, I think that's important to get that message. All the all the important message you said. You you're not just a, you're not Elon Musk, mate. You like to have your fun as well, yeah. and that's very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, hundred percent. You got to have your fun. You got to have hobbies. That's for sure. And mate, I know you're a massive rugby league fan. Who wins the comp this year? Oh fuck, mate! That's a that's a hard one. Who is? I don't even know who's in the comp. <laughs> <laughs> mate, Joey, absolute legend, mate. Good on you, mate. Much appreciated. Good that's what's new in the castle, guys. You know, 
message us on Instagram. Sponsors reach out, always after sponsors. But that was a great chat. So love yous.